0: You're listening to RootLock Radio. Hello and welcome to RootLock Radio, a podcast for uncloaking, learning, and exploring the tarot cards. My name is Weston and I am your host. Hello everyone, and welcome to Season 4 of the RootLock Radio Podcast. I am so excited to be back in your ears and to be engaging with you all in this way. This season has been a long time coming and many months in the making, and something I found myself pushing back a few times throughout the year due to, I don't know, you know, the pandemic-related stress and life disruptions and big changes and all kinds of things that 2020 brought our way, at least brought my way, but my goal was to get it launched before the end of the year and it looks like I am making that goal happen here. The season is going to focus on the major arcana and the plan is to dive deeper into my personal philosophy of tarot and how it can be used as a spiritual practice that is adaptable to any person's belief system. I also have been continuing to find ways to integrate concepts from my training in mental health into using and teaching tarot. So you'll definitely find a good deal of that in this season as well. And I really just want to provide you with some tarot-based tools that will help you during this incredibly challenging time in the world. So that's my intention for season four. I know that I have promised some other stuff in the pipeline, and that has also been a long time coming. And one thing that I have in mind is my court card course. Keep talking about this. This is still on my list of things to do, but for whatever reason, it just hasn't felt like a priority. And honestly, a lot is demanded of my time from my work as a therapist. This isn't a sob story. This is just a little bit of context. And as I work towards getting my license, I really have a lot to do. And so I really do have to prioritize when it comes to my tarot stuff. This season of the podcast is what I'm able to produce at this time and felt like the most important thing to do. So here we are. Now, if you are new to the podcast or new to tarot, hello, my name is Weston. I am so happy to have you here. You can definitely listen along to this season, but I would highly recommend starting from the beginning and listening to season one from start to finish at least at some point in your tarot studies. That season is a very structured and comprehensive course in tarot that I have gotten a lot of positive feedback on. And the intention in these later seasons is to continue to build on and deepen the concepts introduced in that season and to look at tarot in a new way. So if you're looking for a foundation for your tarot practice, I say start there. Now, the beacon card for today, and therefore for the season of the podcast, is justice. Now, I will talk a lot about justice as this season unfolds, but in a, nuts, in a nutshell, I see justice as a big moment in the journey where we encounter a course correction of sorts. It's not that we were on the wrong course or anything like that, but it is time to make a big adjustment to our trajectory. And so with this season of the podcast, I am doing just that, revisiting the major arcana and providing some major reframes that are meant to take us deeper with the tarot and to put us on a path to getting more out of it. The season will consist of 11 episodes, 11 is the justice number, and this will make it the second longest season yet. The episodes will arrive weekly, but I may take a mid-season break for a week or two. We shall see how production goes between now and then. I plan to zero in on some of the key cards of the journey and also to look at the journey as a whole in some new ways. And I also plan to uncloak some connections between cards across the major arcana that we may not see at all times or at first. And all in all, I hope this season helps you to feel a deeper connection to the major journey and to have a greater understanding of how tarot can help us survive and thrive while we inevitably encounter the bumps in the road and the pain and the chaos that life inevitably brings our way. 2020 has had its fair share of that, right? On that note, in this first episode, I will be doing some reflecting on the year that we are ending today. And I'm going to do that by looking at the beacon card of 2020, which is The Emperor. We will also do some projecting by looking ahead at 2021 and its beacon card, which is the Hierophant. But first, I want to orient you a bit by trying to explain what I mean when I say the word spirituality on this podcast. What does that word actually mean, particularly when we are thinking of it in terms of tarot in a way that is not tied up with religious traditions and that is focused on our mental and emotional well-being? I will do my best to put that into words here at the start of this episode. So buckle up, come along, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Rootlock Radio. Season 4 of Rootlock Radio will focus on the Major Arcana. The plan is to dive deeper into some of the Major Arcana cards, to look at some number and order based systems within the Major Arcana that can help us to gain some new insights into the meaning of the journey as a whole, and also how to work with specific cards, and then to weave these concepts into an alternative way of looking at the Major Arcana journey. And a big part of that will be looking at the journey through the mental and emotional health lens. So why look at the Major Arcana again when I already went through the whole thing in Root Lock Radio season one? Well, as often happens in tarot, I have come across new insights as I have continued to study and work with the cards. Another reason is that I've gained a ton of knowledge from the mental health field since I first made that first season of the podcast. I definitely stand by that season is a great introduction to the tarot. Highly recommend it for anyone looking to get started or looking to pick up some new ideas about the tarot. And one of the things I love most about the tarot is how flexible, adaptable, and ever-evolving it is. So as my life journey has led me to career in mental health, I have gone through an entire graduate program and several pretty immersive trainings. And so my way of viewing many things has evolved a lot since making that first season. Some of the things that I thought a lot about over the course of the past four years, and yes, it has been four years since I first launched Root Lock Radio, things that I've thought about are mental health and wellness, emotions, anxiety human connection, and spirituality. Now, spirituality is something that my training in mental health has really impacted for me, believe it or not. And this is because I feel like I have gotten closer to understanding what is at the core of spirituality, regardless of the belief systems you do or do not adhere to. As a person who did not grow up religious, considering my relationship with spirituality has involved a lot of skepticism and questioning, what it is and why it is important and whether or not I even want to have it in the first place. But my work in the mental health field has shown me that there is a theme that pretty much everyone is struggling to find a deeper connection with themselves and with a meaningful life. And that pretty much everyone struggles against anxiety. And that when you can learn to understand and regulate anxiety, you can actually begin to find a state of calm and ease and connection is already waiting for you and it seems to me that one way of looking at most spiritual practices is that there are in some way trying to help ease anxiety though some may be more effective than this than others so after thinking all this through my working definition of spirituality is this spirituality is the pursuit of a mental and emotional state In which you feel at ease and at home with yourself your place in the world and your relation to others it is a state in which you feel in touch with your most authentic or core self and you feel connected to yourself and other people there is an ease and a fullness to it so you may remember from past seasons that i talked about the core state when i was referring to aedp therapy And this idea that when we allow ourselves to feel our core emotions and to sort of ride the emotional waves, the other side of that wave is a state that is really like a feeling of calm, grounded, connected, and totally at ease with ourselves, the world, and others. To me, that state is the same state that we're pursuing with spirituality. And this is important. It is not a state that we just stay in all the time, but we can gain skills that allow us to work our way there more frequently. And this is where spiritual pursuits and mental health seem to have a natural convergence. Now, I'm not a researcher, and this is not supposed to be some grand declaration of the definition of spirituality. It's just really something I am thinking about and telling you so you can think about it too, and so you know where I'm coming from when I talk about spirituality on this podcast this season. So again, spirituality, in my skeptical and mental health-informed lens of it, it is the pursuit of a state in which we feel at ease with ourselves and in a deep connection to ourselves, other people in the world. And in other terms, it is something we naturally feel when we are able to regulate our anxiety and feel fully what we may call our core emotions. So my hope is that it is a definition that you can relate to no matter who you are or what you believe in. I don't think you need to believe in anything that science can't prove in order to get on board with that definition, because it's basically just defined as a state we can achieve when our nervous systems are regulated and at ease. So considering this, I am aiming to look at the major arcana journey as a sort of archetypal template of pursuing this spiritual state. And so the journey shows us that experiences we may have and what skills and resources we must obtain in order to regulate our nervous systems effectively enough to get in touch with this spiritual state as a regular practice. That's what the journey kind of shows us. And my goal is to, in some way, explain the major arcana in that way over the course of this season of the podcast. Now, as I always say, You can believe whatever you want, you don't need to prescribe to any particular belief system to use tarot in this way, and you can actually adapt my ideas to fit your spiritual beliefs however you'd like. This is just me saying what I see and hoping you can benefit from it, whoever you are and whatever you believe. So that said, this episode is coming out on the last day of the year 2020, and 2020 has been quite a year. So before we move into this deep dive in the major arcana, I want to revisit a concept that I introduced in season three of Rulock Radio, which is the concept of beacon cards. So you can go back and listen to season three, episode one, if you want to learn all about beacon cards, but essentially they are cards that we determine based on a number, not by drawing randomly from the deck. And considering it's New Year's Eve, we are at this moment on the precipice of transitioning from working with one year Beacon Card to another. So 2020 has been a year with the Beacon Card of the Emperor. You get this by adding up the numbers, 2 plus 0 plus 2 plus 0 equals 4, which is the number that corresponds with the Emperor. So if you are a person who prescribes to the concept of Beacon Cards, then 2020 was a time to work with Emperor themes. 2021 will be a year with the beacon card of the Hierophant, and it is a year when we can look to the Hierophant to consider what themes we may want to focus on and work with. If you are a person who believes in the tarot as a divine tool, then you may think these cards have a divine meaning. If you see tarot more as a practical tool for reflection, then these cards are simply a somewhat arbitrarily determined invitation, for you to spend a year working with these themes just because that's the number that we're on and it's helpful either way i think it's worthwhile to consider the beacon card themes and how you can use them to your benefit so in this episode i want to take some time to look back at 2020 and to look forward to 2021 and to consider how we can apply the themes of these cards to these two years obviously, at least in the United States where I live, but also I'm pretty sure all over the world, 2020 has been an exceptionally difficult year. And so you can expect that I'm going to talk about stuff that you might think of as politics. But I urge you to be open-minded about that. I don't think I'm talking about politics, or at least I'm not trying to talk about politics. I'm talking about current events, and I'm thinking about them in relationship to what I think of as spirituality. So let's start out by thinking about 2020 through the lens of the emperor. The major themes that I see related to the emperor as, are as follows. The emperor rules structure. One way we know this is by thinking about where it is in the major arcana journey. It is a time where archetypally a child is starting to need structure in order to thrive they are starting to pull away from their caregivers, and they need to have rules and boundaries in place to be safe and to learn. Archetypally, this is the role of the father, which may be why this card is often associated with fathers. And so another way to look at it is to think about authority. These rules and boundaries are set in place by authority figures. This can be good or bad or neutral depending on how it is done. Just think about the idea of parenting styles. So an authoritative parent is a parent who takes charge and plays the role of parent setting boundaries, making rules, and all that, but does not abuse their power and focuses on fostering autonomy in their child. An authoritarian parent relies too much on the power dynamic, and this can cause their child to submit to them. And therefore, their child may may fail to learn how to navigate the world with their own agency and autonomy because they're always doing things in response to the caregiver's demands, right? And this is all wrapped up in the emperor. We can just look at the number four. And four is also a number that's associated with perhaps the most structured of shapes, which is the square. It is the shape of a foundation or a wall. And in many ways, it is the most basic element of structure. So some emperor themes then are structure, boundaries, and authority. So let's start by looking at the theme of structure. The most obvious example of restructuring in 2020 is the sweeping impacts that the COVID-19 pandemic has had on, well, basically everything. In order to respond to this global health crisis, pretty much everyone has had to restructure their lives in one way or another. So this can look different for different people because of the ways we work, live, socialize, relate to others, and see our families and friends. But no matter what, it's been restructured in some way, at least temporarily. And furthermore, the pandemic has revealed a lot of the places where our systems have faulty structures. So for example, many people have been shocked at how badly the pandemic has been handled in the United States and how out of control it has gotten and how many people have died. But this really just reveals what was already there, right? A faulty healthcare system, a lack of clear leadership on a national level, a lack of coordinated responses from state to state, the disproportionate impact on BIPOC communities the lack of basic protections for essential workers, right? Healthcare, like all these big things that have happened in the COVID-19 pandemic, none of these things are new necessarily. The structures that caused them to happen are not new. But we were forced to see these faulty structures in more clear and obvious ways because they were being tested. And it feels like the pandemic has ripped open an already failing structure to reveal all these faults. All these ways that we are doing what we are doing is not sustainable and certainly not something to be proud of. So, the United States, often thought of as a leader in the moments like this where the world is in crisis, is proving to be embarrassingly inept at handling this crisis. So, 2020 offered an invitation to renegotiate the invisible structures and supports of our lives in a day-to-day way. We were given insights on a personal level as well that were intended to help us identify the places where the structures are faulty. So it's not so hard to see how this experience showed up in the collective. The global pandemic has offered us deep insights into the true nature of the structures of our society and particularly in the ways in which these supports are set up to fail so many of us. What about the theme of boundaries? right? The emperor theme of boundaries. Well, I think the pandemic is another big example of this theme. With no strong, clear lead on how to respond to it, we see how differently different different people respond based on their values, right? So people who are very individualistic might not want to wear a mask or social distance or be told what to do in any way. And people who care about others are going to be focused on the ways that they can within their own actions, help to protect themselves and other people. But we don't have like a clear consensus on things like wearing a mask or social distancing, which are very literal types of boundaries, right? So even if we don't have that clear consensus, there's going to be a lot of disagreement and a lot of boundary negotiations, right? And so we've heard a lot of stories this year about boundaries, and we've seen how much conflict can arise out of setting boundaries that other people do not respect. And I don't think anyone who has been cautious and conscientious this year about the pandemic hasn't had some uncomfortable conversations about boundaries at some point. So that's been a big theme. And it's kind of like, where do what did we learn? about boundaries? What did we learn that we take with us? And then all this ties into perhaps the biggest theme of, of the emperor year, which is authority. So one example of this theme of authority is the government handling the pandemic, right? Is it protective to issue mask mandates and stay at home orders? Is that a, a protective public health measure? Or is that authority infringing on our rights and personal freedoms? That's kind of the question, right? Like, what right does authority have to do these things? Another example would be the spectacular response to police violence against black people in the United States and around the world. Are the police here to protect us all? Or is this just an inherently racist institution that prioritizes collecting money and protecting the property of white people and upper class people over protecting all life, right? What is happening with that authority institution? And then again, in the United States, we have this presidential election and some unprecedented attempts by the current president to reject and overturn the results of the election. Again, we see a conversation around structure and systems and authority. The election process and all of these assessments of how fair and effective this process is and whether or not we value this system or would prefer to have our elections determined in some other way, whether those ways are more fair to the collective or less fair and in more of an authoritarian style, right? There's, there's all these kind of questions going up, coming up around the election. And then there are questions about authority having to do with Things like worker protections and rights, especially around the pandemic. Are people going to be kept safe during this pandemic when they go to work? What is a reasonable amount of protection for those workers? And do we hold the institutions, the companies and corporations that employ them? Do we hold those people accountable? Right, We're talking about authority here, corporations, employers. Do we hold them accountable when they put people in danger Or do we focus on protecting those entities, those institutions instead? Who deserves protection? Who deserves a bailout? These large collective conversations were invitations for us to think about our relationship to authority. And I think we have really set in motion some conversations that will continue. And these conversations center on the structures of our society and how they may or may not need to be revised. And so as 2020 draws to a close, it is perhaps a good time for you to consider these themes in your own life, if you'd like to. How have you been drawn to pay attention to structures in your life this year? You may want to think about things like employment, healthcare, you know, unemployment benefits, where you live, how you live, how you relate to your community. How supported you feel by your your community? How supported you feel by your government and the institutions in your life? How you relate to your family and friends and how you do and do not get what you need from your social support structure? How about access to services that you need? Are you provided with benefits that secure your future like retirement? Just how supported are you by the structures in your life? The structures of society, your social support structure, your family structure, all these things. I know for me, a lot of questions have come up this year about all these things, home, career, and definitely support from greater governmental structures as well. So those have all been things that I've thought about. And then think about boundaries. How have you or haven't you renegotiated boundaries this year? How has that gone? Do you think boundaries you have with people and structures in your life, like your workplace work for you? Do they protect you? When you do set boundaries, how are they received? I often think of a boundary as like putting up a little fence. You can build the fence perfectly. You can set your boundary clearly and kindly and with compassion. And that still doesn't mean it will be received well or respected. But if someone has a reaction to a boundary you set, Look at your behavior and your communication. Do you feel good about it? That's on your side of the fence, and that's what you can take responsibility for. If the other person or people you are setting that boundary with respond poorly, that's on their side of the fence. And see if you can think of that boundary as kind of a protection against taking on their feelings about it. That's my thoughts about boundaries. And what about authority? I know for me, this has been a big one this year as well. I have again and again found myself thinking about the people in my life who I see as authority figures and setting new boundaries and having power struggles with them in order to renegotiate the authority in that relationship. A theme for me has been trying to see myself as authority or be my own authority and to see that these apparent authority figures are more just people and that, you know, there's like an even playing field, that a lot of that feeling of disproportionate power comes from inside me and my way of thinking about it. Even a boss or a landlord or something like that, they may have certain power in the relationship, but that does not inherently mean that they have more authority than you or that they get to rule over you in some way. And thinking about this has been quite freeing and also scary and I have to acknowledge made easier for me by some of the privilege I carry because of aspects of my identity. So what about you? How have you been aware of authority and power dynamics in relationships with the people and entities in your life throughout this year? And what do you want to do about that? What do you want to take with you? So let's take a quick break and then we can talk about the Hierophant and 2021. RootLock Radio is made commercial-free by the generous support of its listeners. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can join our Patreon group. A $5 per month contribution gets you access to special deals and discounts, as well as access to the RootLock Radio Tarot Discussion Forum. In this forum, hosted on Discord, you can chat regularly with me and other RootLock Radio listeners. It is a great place to bring your tarot questions and reflections and to find support and inspiration in your tarot journey. You can also support me by purchasing one of my tarot PDF books or by enrolling in my self-directed virtual tarot course. All of this can be found on my website, rootlocktarot.com. Another great way to support the podcast that's totally free to you is to rate and review it wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps new listeners to discover Rootlock Radio. And of course, to keep up to date, follow me on Instagram at RootLockTarot and sign up for my email newsletter. Regardless of all that, you show your support by listening to RootLock Radio. And thank you so much. card for 2021 is the Hierophant. As card number 5 in the Major Arcana, the Hierophant corresponds to a period of intense growth and development. This can be a positive experience of expansion and proliferation, and it can also be a negative experience of pain and separation. More often than not, I think it is both. And as we grow, we often experience both a sense of fulfillment and a sense of pain. And the Hierophant captures this dichotomy. In the major arcana journey, the hierophant corresponds with the developmental period where a child is quickly and intensely learning and absorbing knowledge from the collective. After the initial phases of development that archetypally is limited to a sphere like the home, this is when a child is cultivated into a citizen of the society in which they are being raised. And oftentimes in cultures I am most familiar with, and out of which this imagery on the cards came, this cultivation process happens in places like schools and churches, and in relations to figures like teachers and priests. Therefore, we can consider our relationship with figures and institutions, and particularly those spirituality and knowledge institutions, when we are working with the Hierophant as a beacon card. In Western developmental psychology, they call this the first differentiation and individuation stage. The second one's in adolescence. So here, the child breaks away from their caregivers and goes to these places, these institutions, where they are indoctrinated with a specific set of information and values. And it can make such a difference what those values and what that information is. But it's also a real loss of innocence in a way. So while this is a time of life's journey that is characterized by the accelerated absorption of knowledge... It's also a time where the innocence and benevolence that all children are born with can be chipped away by adults with a particular agenda. So depending on the values of the figures and institutions that are indoctrinating that child, destructive beliefs that perpetuate things like racism, prejudice, discrimination, and oppression can be absorbed. And even for those who are raised in a subculture that does not openly embrace these destructive values, I put values in air quotes, more invisible and insidious forms of oppression, like implicit bias and internalized racism, are absorbed by everyone. So on the journey, the hierophant corresponds with a time in which the absorption of divergent values first begins to fracture relationships between people who would otherwise share love and compassion for one another. When I think back to this time in my life, I have a very specific memory that I think captures this idea. I was at a sleepaway summer camp where I met kids from all over the country, and there was a kid in my cabin who I had grown to like a lot. And one time we were on a bus riding through the Rocky Mountains going somewhere. And who knows how, but we somehow touched on the topic of homosexuality in our conversation. And immediately, this kid, who I think was being raised Catholic, if I remember correctly, immediately said that this was completely wrong and bad. Now, I was not being raised with any religion. And I had an aunt who was gay, and my mom also had some gay friends who I liked a lot. So I was mostly just kind of curious about it, but I had never heard from my mom at least that there was something wrong with this, right? So me and my other friend who had been taught similar values to me by his parents, we both started crying. And what I was experiencing in this moment, I think was the pain in realizing that someone who I liked in so many ways could deeply and completely believe something that was not only at odds with what I believed, but also essentially a form of ideological violence against people who I also loved and eventually myself. So I remember the dissonance of that really rocking my world at that age. And I think now we probably wouldn't even be friends because of that ideological difference. So the hierophant captures this time of interpersonal fractures And the concept that divergent values and beliefs can create these rifts and fractures that prevent people from seeing each other's humanity. So knowing that this is a tarot card, how do we interpret this as something that we can learn and grow from, right? It sounds pretty bad. Well, in my interpretation, the healing invitation of the hierophant is to mend these fractures and build bridges over these ideological fissures that create discord in the collective and to restore the ability to see the humanity in others. There is a call to dive below divergent ideologies and to find a common humanity and to restore the undiscriminating benevolence and compassion that we are all born with. So in its highest form, I think of the hierophant as a relational and collective healer. And this kind of is a flip side of the lower form, which is more of a collective wounding or fracturing that we see in that stage of life. So with collective healing comes collective pain. And there's some way that this is an invitation for us when we're looking at 2021 through the lens of a beacon card. This is no, by no means an exhaustive list, but I've come up with some ways that I think this could be coming up in the world based on what's happening right now. And so thinking about these concepts of collective healing and sort of the things that are happening in the world that I know, here's what I see as opportunities to apply the hierophant in 2021. The first thought is that we have opportunities for a deeper and more spiritually probing uh, look into the faulty structures that we so clearly saw in 2020. We could have an opportunity to turn to institutions and figures that facilitate and hold space for this healing, and that these conversations could have on—we could be having on large public and collective levels, because the hero fan is about relational and collective healing. So there's some way of being able to look a little deeper at what these faulty structures really mean, and what. We want to do about them. I also think that these divides could deepen at the same time as those who hold on to their oppressive values will probably cling to them more tightly as this process that they perceive, this healing process that they perceive as a threat, grows stronger. Now, again, some may think that this sounds predictive, but really it is just me looking at what is happening right now and then looking ahead using the Hierophant as a framework. And that's what, for me, a beacon card is here for. But if you do use tarot predictively, you can definitely do a lot of that with the beacon cards. But that's not the only way. And if you are like me and prefer to use tarot as a reflecting and reframing device, then a year ahead beacon card is an opportunity to look ahead from where you stand and what you know now and to use the card as a particular lens or guide in what you're going to focus on as you move forward. Now something to keep in mind is that the first step of healing is grief. So we may like to think about the healing process as something that feels really good and it feels really nice and it's just really happy but usually it doesn't feel so good um, or it doesn't feel just good. The hierophant shows us that. It may be hard to directly see that in the card but we have to look at the corresponding minor cards to see how true that is. The fives are all painful. They are full of the grief that comes with growth. And that's where we are on the major journey at this time. So we've all been enduring this ongoing trauma on multiple levels. There's the death toll of the pandemic, the heightened threat of our lives and the lives of our loved ones, watching police officers murdering people while working a job that we pay them to do, seeing a president refuse to concede election that he clearly lost, all of these things are traumatic or can be traumatic to witness, or at least they make us feel unsafe. And when we feel unsafe, our anxiety spikes. And when our anxiety spikes, we tend to shut off our access to emotional and spiritual considerations, instead turn to defensive thinking. Things like blaming, scapegoating, binary thinking, You know, it's true that rioting can be scary to watch, and you can also be outraged about police violence. It doesn't have to be binary, it doesn't have to be either or. You can be scared by what you're seeing and also not condemn the message of it, right? And this is where I think we need to challenge ourselves to dive beneath these surface level conversations that are coming from this defensive, blamey, scapegoating, binary kind of place. We need to ask ourselves, what is the spiritual core of our values? Are we valuing the emotional and spiritual well-being of ourselves and others? Or are we just living and reacting out of our anxiety? So when we look at some of these political debates that have been building up over time, and many of which have sort of seemed to come to a head in 2020, the real question is, what is right from the spiritual perspective? how can we feel that we are doing right for all humanity and for the planet and all the other creatures on it, right? How do we know that we are treating everything as if it has value and deserves to have a fulfilling life? Because when we are diving below the politics and trying to restore the benevolence and respect for all, that's what we need to be doing. So we can look at the hierophant, time, The year that we're in or approaching as an invitation to do this in our own lives and in whatever way we can that contributes to the collective. And a big piece of it is that it has to happen in connection to others, not in isolation or separation from them. So in your personal life, 2021 is also an opportunity to dive down beneath the values that you have absorbed and acquired and to understand and refine the spiritual core of what you believe. And then to express that or to try to come from that place, right? It's also an opportunity to feel grief and pain. The grief and pain maybe of your own role in upholding and perpetuating spiritually damaging values. Or maybe the grief and pain of being beat down by others who uphold those values. Being treated in ways that are unfair or really hurtful and it being seen as something invisible by other people, right? That happens so much. And it is also a time to align with healing figures and institutions so you can get creative about what that means to you and to find your part in this collective voice of healing. Remember that processing trauma can be painful too. So unlike the trauma event itself, it is pain that is in the service of healing. So here's to a year where our pain has more purpose. A year where we look beneath the surface of the values we are upholding and identify how we feel about them on a spiritual level. And we try to help others do the same. And with or without predictive tarot, I don't see any way that 2021 is going to be an easy year. Sorry to say that, but it's just, I just don't see how that's possible. It could be easier, right? Right. We're in the thick of it, though, and there's so much pain right now. But I do think that we can begin the healing process, and in the long run, we can be better for it. Or not. And as with all beacon cards, it's an invitation, and we get to decide if we're going to take that invitation. So Happy New Year. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you next week for Season 4, Episode 2 of Rootlock Radio. Rulock Radio is a podcast for uncloaking, learning, and exploring the tarot cards. It is written and produced by me, Weston. Music for the podcast is provided by Shenandoah Davis and Jure. You can find links for both of these incredible artists in the show notes. To support the podcast, consider joining the Patreon community. And if you love Rulock Radio, don't forget to subscribe, leave a five-star rating, and write a kind review. To learn more about me and the tarot goods and services I have to offer, please visit my website, RootlockTarot.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join me next time for Rootlock Radio.